Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Any good business person will start paying close attention when they hear something is going to reduce their profit margin. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and arguably that's one of the issues in conveying the effects of climate change. Sure, the Insurance Council may forecast future damage bills in the billions of dollars, but that's not something that's relatable to most people. Except when maybe it's broken down into words like, your profits are going to drop by 40%. In this season of AgVic Talk, we're taking a virtual climate bus tour around Victoria to meet people who are acting upon climate variability and putting in strategies to deal with it. Today, we're off to meet Cam Nicholson, a consultant with Nikon Rural Services. G'day, Cam. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Cam, you call yourself a consultant, but what do you really do? (laughs) What do I really do? Oh, that's debatable, I suppose. No, look, I tend to give advice to farmers and to advisors as well around various issues. So I suppose I help translate some of the the science and information we've got there into practical terms that can be applied on farm. That's an important skill to be able to distill that. And you bring some dirt under your nails to the game as well, because you're actually a bit of a part-time farmer as well, I understand. Yes, yeah, we farm cattle and sheep on the Bellarine Peninsula just out of Geelong. And even though it's a relatively small place, we have about 200 cows and about 1,000 ewes all up, we try and do a good job with it. As I say to people that come out here, don't look too much about the scale, look at how you're trying to make the best of what you've got. And I think understanding that and trying to implement that and cope with all of the challenges that farming throws at you, I think puts me in a pretty good position to then translate the science into something that people can um, adopt. I very much like that I walk the talk analogy. And in your work, you're very focused on decision making. What's that spring from? Well, two things. One is that we've realised on our own farm that unless we make good, timely decisions, it costs us both in the bottom line from a profitability point of view, from a production point of view, but also on your own sort of stress levels and how you feel about running your business. I've spent many years trying to get our decision-making sort of systems and our trigger points better because it just takes the stress out of farming and (laughs) makes farming more enjoyable. But I've also observed a group of farmers that could be confronted with similar situations and some of them just have this uncanny ability to make good decisions at the right time. And in the long run, you see how that pays off. And I'm thinking, well, it's a choice they've made. It's a decision they've made. What do they do and what systems do they use to do that better than others? Well, we're going to be pulling that apart a little bit today in regards to climate change, translating climate change into production impacts. So what does something farmers seem to misunderstand about climate change? I don't know if it's a misunderstanding, but it's that challenge in taking what we keep being told about how the climate's going to change and translating that into production what it actually means for production. So to give you an example, where we are, the climate change predictions are in our part of the world that we might get 20 or 30 mil less rainfall and it's going to be slightly warmer in winter and slightly hotter over summer. 
Now, while I understand what those words mean, actually understanding what that does to our production system, how much grass we grow, how much hay we might cut, those sort of things is challenging because 30 mil for us in the middle of winter where we've got more than enough rainfall, a loss of 30 mil in that really wet, soggy period has far less impact than the loss of 30 mil at that critical time, say in October, just before, or September, October, before hay cutting. 30 mil loss there makes a huge difference. And farmers understand this. All we needed was one good rain and this would have been a much better finish than what we got. So as much about climate change is about when it occurs and how that impacts on the different crops and pasture and things that you're trying to grow. So is that kind of saying then, if you unpack that a bit further, do projected changes in average temperature and rainfall give farmers enough to enable them to plan and future-proof their operations? No, no, the simple answer is no. Because if you think about it, if we got average prices and average yields every year and we knew what our costs were, there wouldn't be much risk in farming because you know what it's going to be. The challenge with farming is that we get extremes, And it's the volatility. It's the, you know, going from one year where you've had well below average rainfall to well above average rainfall, you've got to adapt your system. You've got to respond to that change. And sometimes those changes can be very rapid. And so it's a volatility that becomes more important than the averages. And I think from a risk point of view, which is really what we're talking about with climate change, is how does it change the risk that we're exposed to in our farming businesses? Averages don't do that. So you've really got to understand the extremes. So what do you reckon climate change really means on farm? Uh, it'd be different things to different people. That's a sort of a, a flippant way of saying it. But depending on where you're located and what your farming system is, the impact, first of all, will be more or less, depending on what plays out, but also your ability to adapt to that and put something else in place that better responds to that change in climate will vary from business to business. So, you know, in some locations you can't easily shift, you know, if you've got perennial fruit trees or something in, it's not that easy to adapt to. But if in, let's say, a cropping situation where the season may be finishing more often earlier, so in other words, you don't get that late bit of rain, it might be as simple as just a change in variety choice. So instead of a very long season variety, you might grow some mid-season variety as well as some long-season variety. So in other words, you hedge your bets by just a small change in the type of seed that you're planting can help in that response. And look, the flip side's true in some areas. I've done some work south of Ballarat where it gets very cold and very wet in winter. And the the modelling or the calculations that we've done with it being warmer over winter and also less wet, we're actually going to grow more pasture. So climate change in that part of the season for that cluster of farms in that area is actually going to be, believe it or not, of of benefit in pasture production. To capitalise on that or take advantage of that, you've got to think about how do you tweak your production system. And so that might be that they carve down or lamb down a bit earlier because spring's going to finish earlier, but winter you're going to grow more feed. So maybe you lamb or carve down three or four weeks earlier. It will vary from farm to farm. And I think That's the biggest challenge, I reckon, for me in translating what is the climate scenarios that we're being told could occur into what's it mean for your production system and therefore how should we respond. Cam, what are some of the strategies to manage climate change and also increasingly extreme weather? 
Look, I, I reckon the responses are infinite. Some of the work I've done and, and what I choose to do now is I effectively show a group of farmers, so I'm working with a group of farmers, I show them what the modelled change in, say, pasture production might be or crop production might be if we stick with what we're currently doing. And then I just say to them, well, if this is going to be the change, what are some of the possible responses? And I can tell you the list is as long as your arm because everybody can see opportunity. You know, I could change this, I could do that, I could adjust this. So some of them will be subtle, as I said, that variety type thing. It might be the types of pastures that people are sowing. It's lambing and calving time. I had one farmer that said, well, I'll probably just sell animals as backgrounders. In other words, not finished animals rather than what their system had been designed to do, which was to finish most of the animals they have on the place because I've got feed. You know, they said, well, if I don't have as much feed, maybe part of them go and we sell them on to someone else to finish them because that might get a bit tighter. Every farmer that I've encountered can see ways of adapting their farming system. Understanding just what impact that's going to have is another part of that equation because you can say, oh, what if I do this? Then we need, really need to understand what that means from a, an economic and, and from a, a risk point of view. But I think it's, it's endless. As one fellow, Graham Anderson, said to me ages ago, if your climate's going to change, I bet you can find somewhere else in the country that's got your future climate now. And they farm and they farm successfully. So they've adapted a system to suit a current climate, which might be your future climate. We need to understand what some of those tweaks and what some of those changes are. So I'm not prescriptive in that. If anything, just throw up some ideas of here are some things potentially we could think about. But in my experience, I don't have any trouble with a group of farmers being able to identify a whole lot of possibilities that can adapt. You've talked about production impacts there, but I imagine there's other structural issues that farmers should be considering around the operational side and financial side of their businesses as well to cope with that variability. Absolutely. So if we think of some of the structural stuff, water is going to be a big one I can see going forward and just whether, you know, dams that reliably filled each year may not in some years or we may get less runoff in them. So do we have the capacity within our current system to actually still have water when we need water? Because, you know, you, you can buy feed or you can cart feed, but you can't cart water for stock. It's just, it's a killer. So, you know, do we have adequate water supply? Do we have things like containment areas that we can use to bring stock in so that we're not overgrazing pastures, which means that they will respond better when we do get rain again? So I think the whole containment side of it, you know, there's lots of things associated with that, how they're designed how you feed efficiently in them, how do you avoid environmental problems, things like where are your fodder reserves to operate and operate that efficiently. So I think there's a whole lot of sort of structural things that, that need to be put in place there. And as you said, the financial side of it's pretty important. And finance, but also sort of supply chain type things. For example, I know a few farmers now that are, who don't cut all the fodder that they might need on their farm, trying to get longer term contracts with other farmers that cut fodder so that while they'll take them in the good times when really no one is selling hay because no one wants to buy it because everybody's got lots of hay, they'll have a contract that will take it in the good times as long as they can get looked after in the tighter times. So I think there'll also be more of this longer term structural thinking about how you secure some of the critical inputs into your farm business and just how we can shore up some of those so that it will give us a bit more confidence going forward. What do you reckon is going to make 
a good farmer over the next 15 years? What's going to make a good farmer? Probably the same attributes that made them a good farmer 15 years ago, and that's their ability to read a situation and adapt, and adapt quickly, so make decisions quickly. The top farmers that I see around all the time are the ones that are you know, reading the play. It's almost like a good sports person that they can almost see how the game's going to play out in front of them and they magically seem to be in the right place at the right time or do the right thing. It's those that can see forward and the climate stuff is no different to me. It's, it's just another one of those considerations going forward that we need to be sharp on. And if this is starting to change, how much of an impact is it likely to have in my place? What implications has that got to my current production system? And what can I put in place that helps mitigate that or adapt to that? So I think they'll be the same, Drew, as what they were 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I understand some of this work that you're focused on in terms of climate variability started a while ago with a project you did with Ararat Rural City Council and also the Perennial Pasture Group. But I understand that work is still just as relevant. Yeah, so that was a a few years ago. and It was the first time I tried to translate what the climate impacts were having on production. And so there are a couple of whole farm computer models I used, which showed how it changed annual crop growth and annual pasture growth. So what you do is you change the weather input into those models, and then you compare what had happened in the past to what might happen in the future. And some years were good, some years were better than, you know, in the future than what we've had in the past. But it also clearly showed what impact it was having in some of those tighter years with climate change. And that's when I learnt this idea of, well, this is what's happening. What do you think we should do about it? So I basically posed it to this group of farmers, and I've done this probably six or eight times now in different locations, and all get the same very positive response that, um, yeah, this isn't as bad as we thought it would be. I think a lot of people are, because they're uncertain, and that uncertainty means you become a bit scared, once they can see what the impacts potentially could be, they then can be proactive and positive about what the solutions might be. So I think that type of work has got real value in getting people to get their heads around what it means and responding positively to what the climate change impacts might be. Cam Nicholson, you work in a fascinating space helping farmers make better decisions. Thank you for taking the time and joining me for this AgVic Talk podcast. No problems. Thanks, Drew. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.